Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday 10 with Kajika Sports Podcast for February 2015. I am your trusty host, Sunny Cadwallader. It was a fun series of guests this month, hearing stories of how my guests have made their way into the sports business. Well, that's always fascinating to me. I have my own unique story, but hearing from others makes you realize that although there are different paths, there is still a common goal doing what we love in sports. We started off the month with a guest making her second appearance on the show. When I interviewed her last year, she was working at the PGA Tour. Now, (laughs) well, let's just say Lauren Teague is on a slightly different path. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday 10 with Kajika Sports. I am your host, Sunny Cadwallader, better known in the social and digital world as Kajika. Tuesday 10 is a conversation. It could be 10 tips, 10 questions, or in the case of tonight, 10 minutes. It's a conversation with leaders and -and up-and-comers in the world of sports. And tonight my guest will be speaking at the Q1 Sports Fan Engagement Forum in Kansas City, Missouri, March 2nd and 3rd. Um, I am a media partner for the second year in a row, and I... I am looking forward to hearing from my guest. I will let you know later on how you can get $100 off your registration fee. And before we get go any further, let's bring on my guest, Lauren Teague. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Sunny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Now, I did have you on the show last early summer, I believe, on Tuesday 10, and a lot has actually changed in your life, a major journey, if, if you will. You, it took you from one end of the country, one corner of the country, to the other, uh, from the PGA Tour to Convince and Convert Media and working with Jay Bayer. Why didn't you tell me a little bit about that? So, yeah, the last time we spoke, I, uh, I did. I, I wrapped up um, my time at the PGA Tour. Um, would have loved to stay. It was definitely still my dream job. But my husband got a great opportunity in Oregon, which is where I'm from. So, um Having a young family and a great opportunity for him, um, we, you know, just packed up, moved across the country, literally. He drove, I flew with our one-year-old and uh, um, settled here in Oregon, which is great. So we had our own hashtag Oregon Trail journey and uh, um, wasn't really sure what I was going to be doing next. Um, so luckily, um, through sports and social media, I've I've been able to stay really well connected and, um, you know, handed, sent my resume to a handful of people, including Jay Bear, and just said, hey, you know, you know everybody, so do you know anybody in Portland who might give me a job? And I don't know if he ever passed on the resume, but, um, or if he just kept it for himself, but uh, asked me if I was interested in working with Convince and Convert and the consulting arm, and um, we, uh, officially uh, got started together in December so I'm his 10th employee and I'm on the consulting group side um, which is really awesome we work with B2B and B2C companies on digital strategy content marketing um, education just kinda really being an extra resource for people who are sitting in the seat that I I was just in Um, so it's it's a really nice way for me to um, stay you know do really high-level work Right. Um, but also be able to to take on some of my own projects or, or have the flexibility to, to also be a mom. So 
Um, I, I love the team at Convince and Convert. I miss the team at PGA Tour Daily. Um, but I, I think I've got my dream job for my 20s was done. Oh, yeah. Now I've got my dream job for my 30s, and, uh, and Jay says, and beyond. So. <laughs> nice, nice. It, well, it seems like what you did at the PGA Tour helped prepare you to work with Jay Bayer and Convince and Convert. What were some of the social media initiatives that you either started or were involved in at the PGA Tour? So starting, I started at the PGA Tour in 2008. So I was, you know, the first social person ever hired by the PGA Tour. Um, so everything from launching, you know, the very first social channels, Facebook, YouTube, you know, convincing people to get let me tweet from the golf course and, and things like that. Um, and bringing, oh, wow. bringing the golf world along um, and, and helping shape that. So everything there. And uh, about three years ago, two or three years ago, I also transitioned into from just a strictly digital facing role into more of a digital slash communications role mm -hmm. there. So I was more integrated with bringing um, social throughout the business um, and helping our leaders, helping our tournaments, our players, um, you know, in, in more business strategy with social. Right. Um, I think it's, I think, you know, Jay says um, to the effect of uh, being, it's not good for business to be good, just be good at social media. It's good to be, uh, it's better to be good at business because of social media. And right. I, I kind of think that that's where I kind of evolved to there at, at the PGA Tour, um, where instead of producing day-to-day -day content because our team was so strong in the content roles, mm -hmm. that I could also do more on, on the strategy side. And that has definitely helped me transition into my new role where I'm actually coaching um, and, and helping other people develop business strategy around social media initiatives. Now, next month we mentioned that about the Q1 Sports Fan Engagement Forum, you're going to be speaking there. Mm -hmm. How did you hear about the forum and what kind of drew you to it? Uh, was it the PG, some of the work you did at PGA Tour or something else? Um, I heard about the sports forum um, because of the, you know, the great response I got last year. Um, this will be the second year of the event. And it was, it's kind of one of those things that, um, you know, early March is the start of golf season. It's, it's really hard for us to get uh, any travel away from the actual going to tournaments at that time. So um, I'm really excited this year to be going to uh, Kansas City for Q1 and, um, and being able to speak is just an honor. I, um, I'm really grateful that they asked me to, to talk and I'll actually be talking on Google Plus as one of um, kind of the uncovered social platforms or underutilized social platforms for sports and fan engagement. Um, there are a lot of great sports uh, teams, leagues, and athletes using Google Plus right now, especially on, on an international level. But I kind of want to showcase how, you know, like three tips on how to use Google Plus to engage your fans um, in different ways. And you can do that using Hangouts. Obviously, we did a lot of that at the PGA Tour, um, just a whole year of a Hangout series, getting our players uh, more connected with our fans, getting our fans more connected with um, people in golf. And, and so kind of talking about that a little bit, um, talking about communities and talking a little bit about the future of Google+. Plus. And, um, and what really what makes really it different, different from the other social channels because that's the cool thing about social media. There's so many different channels, um, so many different ways to provide value to your fans and reach somebody on a specific level. So uh, really excited to be talking about that on Monday morning 
and then very excited to be able to sit and relax and enjoy the rest of the conference and learn um, from everybody else who's speaking and attending for the next day and a half. So, looking forward. Cool, to it. I'm I'm glad I'm going. I actually finally get to meet you in person. We talked a couple of times and you know, DM'd each other on Twitter, so I'll be, I'm glad I get to finally meet you. Yeah, I'm so excited to meet you. I'm so excited to meet the people on, you know, the hashtag chats, the Twitter chats and things, and, and you know, the people you've had on your uh, your Tuesday 10 shows leading up to the conference and actually getting to meet these people in real life, and it's probably my favorite thing about social, right, is, is like, face-to-face -face is great, video chats yes. are great, hangouts are great, but when you actually get to sit down and break bread with someone, hash, yes. you know, hash it out, and taking a game or something like that, it's just, it's full circle, and yeah. that's really where the value comes. I agree. Well, thanks. Our 10 minutes is just about up. Thanks for joining me tonight, Lauren. Well, happy to, and, you know, I can stay a couple more minutes if you have a couple questions. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, okay. let me let me ask you then, okay. how is your golf game? Oh, um, non-existent, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm actually... Um, six and a half months pregnant, I guess that's right, and uh, expecting a baby in April. So um, it's just between the move and then the Oregon winter and the fact that now I have to swing around a belly, I just figured it was safer just to practice my putting in the living room. But let me tell you that my 18-month-old is, is developing a killer golf swing and, uh, and an affinity for the players um, that he is seen on TV, although I refer to them more as, like, Caleb's dad and Dash's dad <laughs> than, you know, like, Jason or Baba or things like that. But, um, so... Oh, that's great. Golf is still very much a part of our household. It's just, uh, I'll have to wait until maybe this spring or summer to, to find some time to develop. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. I did, I, see, I didn't even know there was another, a number two baby Teague coming. That's okay. Okay, well, let, why don't you let everybody know how they can connect up with you? Um, yeah, I'm still uh, on Twitter at Lauren T, T-E-E, -E, like the golf tee, um, and also on LinkedIn, Lauren Teague, uh, and uh, digital strategist these days for Convince and Convert, and uh, also my own projects. Um, and... Yeah, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. And also here on Google Plus Plus, Lauren Teague. Um, and Sunny obviously will have linked to that as well. Hit me up, especially if you are going to Q1 um, or are going to be following along and you have either a suggestion of a best practice or a, or a sports brand that I should mention uh, and shout out from stage or, um, you know, a question that you might have that, you know, that would help. Uh, me give you value from on stage there at Q1. So uh, feel free to hit me up and leave that either in the comments or on my page. Be sure to get back to you. Excellent. And I know I'll, I'll be front and center asking you questions in the Google Plus one because I I love Google Plus. So yeah. I will be front and center. Good. <laughs> no tomatoes in hand, so it'll just be questions. Thanks, Sunny. <laughs> well, thanks to Lauren. And you can connect up with me. Uh, my website is kadshikasports.com. If you head on over there, you'll see a Q1 banner uh, indicating how you can register for the Q1 forum. Uh, use the code kadchika to receive $100 off your registration fee. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at kadchika. My also here on Google Plus plus Sunny Kedwalader, uh, LinkedIn as well, Kadchika Sports and Facebook and Snapchat and I just joined Cyberdust and I don't know why but because I just did. Anyways, join. Thanks for everyone for joining me. Join us next week when I will be 
joined by Chandrima Chatterjee. She is Communications Manager at Street Soccer USA. Street Soccer USA is an organization using sport for social change. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. One of the things I love doing within social media is sharing the good side of sports. The negative or bad stories always get the attention. They get the clicks and the views and the shares. And in my own way, I, I'm trying to combat that with the hashtag sports doing good. There are people who are giving back in creative ways simply through sports. Now, my guest on the February 10th show was Chandrima Chatterjee from Street Soccer USA. And she's doing exactly that. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday 10 with Cad Chica Sports. I am your host, Sunny Cadwallader, better known in the social and digital world as Cad Chica. Tuesday 10 is a conversation. It could be 10 minutes, 10 tips, 10 questions. And that's kind of the way we might be going tonight because you're going to want to hear a lot about my guest tonight. But it's conversation with some of the leaders and up-and-comers in the world of sports from media broadcasting, business marketing, social media, and more. Tonight, I am really excited about my guest because she's doing something that is making a difference. And for those of you that have watched my show before or have communicated with me on various social media platforms, you know that making a difference in others for others is pretty important to me. I don't always have the opportunity to do it, but if I can bring somebody on the show who does that on a daily basis, then you know they, they belong on this show. Please welcome in my guest, Chandrima Chatterjee. Hey, Chandrima. Hi, Sunny. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't let's get started right away because... I mean, looking at your bio, looking at your uh, all the information that you've done, let's just get right into it. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Okay. So, uh, Sunny, you, you want to know why a scientist gets into sports, and it's actually interesting. Uh, I was getting my MPH, Master's Public Health in uh, Sports Education, and I was coaching under eight girls at the YMCA at the same time and working in an AIDS vaccine lab, uh, and all of those things kind of merged into one. And I heard about Grassroots Soccer, which is a sports for social change group. Uh, I, I started volunteering with the Homeless World Cup, which is across 70 countries, using soccer as a way to reach poor people, dis disengaged people, disenfranchised people, homeless people, anybody really that's not privileged in this world. And they use soccer as a way to educate, as a way to treat uh, for mental, mental health issues, physical health issues, everything. And all of those things kind of blended into one for me. And that's how it all began, really. Uh, I started my own organization. So, yeah. Now, did you, was there a lot of emphasis growing up for you to give back and giving to others? Was that part of, part of your household, part of yeah. your bringing you up? Absolutely. Uh, you know, my, my father uh, is, and my mother, they're both immigrants right, from India. Uh, my father came to this country with a, a dollar and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a dream, and we're in the middle of writing a book right now about his life. I uh, came from a village in the middle of nowhere, um, rice paddies everywhere. I mean, you know the kind of village. Everybody just has no yeah. idea what's out there, but he kept reading books, and that's how he learned about everything in the world, and he decided he wanted to come to this country. So um, I'm really excited to someday share that book with everybody. But uh, yes, so from the beginning, I was taught to help people up. Uh, and I was very politically active. I worked for uh, the Obama campaign the first time around, the primary the first time around, 
presidential campaign the first time around and second time around I was a, a data specialist and a community outreach specialist so I've always tried to, to, to work with the community and, and engage people that are otherwise disengaged from society. So, yeah. Now, talking about getting people involved, how has social media helped you to do that, getting, getting others involved? Is it, mm -hmm. is it merely just letting people know, or is there a connection factor that social media has helped you with? No, social media has been huge. Uh, I mean, I think the Obama campaign showed it best. Uh, social media is a tool for democratization. It's, it's a tool for change-making, and I say it every day. I'm like, don't underestimate the value of social media. I, I yep. think FIFA realizes that they cannot underestimate the value of social media at this point. You know, revolutions start from there. And I use it on a personal level to help introduce different organizations around the world that are doing similar things. So, uh, I mean, you probably know this, there are hundreds and hundreds of groups everywhere using sports as a way to connect people together, but they're all kind of disconnected from each other. So my goal is to help all of those groups, or as many as I can, kind of learn more about each other and how they can combat certain issues like homelessness, like poverty, uh, like global health, uh, and, and kind of work together towards a common goal. Now, so, yeah. Did you play soccer growing up at all? Uh, okay, so in case anybody from <laughs> my hometown is watching, yes, yes, I played when I was a little girl. Uh, my Again, my dad was a soccer player in India. And, really? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. But no, he, no, no, <laughs> No, no cricket, no cricket. But oh, he wow. uh, he got me into soccer when I was very young. I, I want to say I think I was six, uh, and I started playing with the boys. There were two girls, two girls in my town. We were the same age. We played with the boys until we could no longer play with the boys, which is, I think is about 12. Yeah. And at that point, I switched sports. So that, that was it for me. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I may direct a program, I may write about soccer all the time, but my God, I, I need a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I remember my, my oldest son and I, we went down to Mexico for a mission trip down in 2007, I think. And one of the places we went to was a juvenile detention center. And there's no grass fields there to play soccer. And you know how big soccer is in Mexico. You just yeah. played on the concrete. You know, mm -hmm. on the asphalt, and you just play wherever. You know, have a ball, we'll travel, yeah. we'll play. So that sounds like what you were doing growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like that just reminds me of, of UA India. It's a, another NGO. Uh, it's Franz Gassler is the founder, and I worked for him for a, about a year and a half. Uh, I had the opportunity to go visit them maybe twice in, in that time. Uh, mm -hmm. And the best. I mean, hands down, the best experience was playing on dirt fields that occasionally doubled as medical waste fields for a, a nearby hospital, playing with these girls who were barefoot, tribal girls. They, they were just running circles around me. I had my you know, fancy Nikes on, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep up. But it was the best time. It was absolutely the best time. Yep. I learned so much. Yeah, those those kind of memories just stick with you. Let me ask you because you were talking about um, the YMC, the working with the Y earlier. Is mm -hmm. there a particular young girl or a moment that just made you think? I mean, it, it, it was it a light bulb moment for you that just said, 
this is what I want to do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it wasn't actually little girls that did it. Uh, it was uh, a, an old Finnish guy, uh, and this is going to sound really random, I know, but it, it's a really good story. Um, his name is Huli, and he is the coach for Street Soccer Finland, which is kind of like a sister program to Street Soccer mm -hmm. USA. Uh, so Street Soccer Finland uh, was totally separately founded, separately organized, but you know we all have the similar mis mission. And yep. Huli, uh, he, I don't know exactly how old he is, but I'd say he's in it. He looks like he's in his 60s. He's had a, a rough life. He uh, is a very frail-looking old guy, but when he gets out on the pitch and he plays soccer, my God, it's like he's like a rock. He's a rocket. He, and it's street soccer is a lot more intense. It's a lot more intense than regular 11, 11 aside. Um, he, yeah, he he is an a remarkable man who had a really rough life. He, he had a great job, businessman, uh, he was living it up, got into the wrong crowd, um, same kind of thing you hear everywhere, drugs, mm -hmm. alcohol, yeah. um, lost everything he had, and the only thing he had left uh, was soccer. He had played soccer before in his childhood, he played it as an adult. The only thing he had when he had nothing else was soccer, and he heard of uh, Street Soccer Finland. Uh, which had just started back then, mm -hmm. and Huli decided, you know what, I'm going to pick myself up, I'm going to play soccer, and it was a magical connection he made. Uh, he realized that it, it saved him, and he wanted to use it as a way to save other people. So he founded a team called the Stray Dogs in Helsinki, and that's part of Street Soccer Finland. It's still there, you know, all these years later, and he is a mentor, he's a coach, he's an inspiration, He's so many things. He's he's an HIV positive guy, mm -hmm. but he will he lives his life like he is the most blessed man in this world. And so yeah, I would say he's the reason I'm here today. So tell me a little bit more about the organization Street Soccer USA. Um, a lot of work with the homeless. How did it get started? And how and tell me more about the chapter that you founded there, right there in Philly. Sure. Um, so Street Soccer USA was founded by Lawrence Can and his brother Rob Can, both from Virginia. Uh, they had previously worked with homeless in soup kitchens and community centers. Um, something that you know I did as a child, also something that we all probably did to some extent. Um, Lawrence was an artist, and he was working on art projects mm -hmm. with with the homeless. But he also realized that he had he knew how to play soccer. You know, he played soccer at Davidson College. Yeah. And why not take these guys that that are doing these art projects and try something different? So he decided, and it was the same year that uh, the Homeless World Cup was founded, I believe. So okay. Okay. it kind of happened at the same time. Um, he decided to try it, uh, and, and it was it worked beautifully. You know, it was empowering. It was inspiring. It instilled confidence. It, it helped with attendance records. Uh, it taught. It started teaching people uh, soft skills that they had otherwise never been shown. You know, mm -hmm. these are people that don't have parents. They might come from single single parent homes. They may be orphans. Um, either way, they're down on their luck. They've been homeless for some time. Many of them are. Uh, you know drug and alcohol abusers, many of them have been in prison for various reasons. They're all kind of 
rehabilitating themselves, and Street Soccer USA acts as a support system. It's kind of a net, so if you fall, um, because when you're in that situation, it's a cycle of up and down. Yep. Yep. Always going to be down, but there's nobody there to pick you up. Your family has given up on you. Your friends are all gone. You have no money. You have no home. But yeah. Street Soccer USA is a family. We're now in 16 different cities. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and, and what we are is a big support network. Um, we're there for you. Whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch or even on social media, you'll see social media as a huge factor in our organization now. Someone has a rough day, the whole country kind of like rallies and says, lift yourself up. You know what? You can do this. It's, it's nothing. Yeah. We've been through so much more. Um, so that's what Street Soccer USA is kind of in a nutshell. We work with different um, shelter systems uh, for women, youth, and men. Uh, and we connect with other service providers, so we're not trying to reinvent a wheel. Um, right. We work with, with housing, um, people that are uh, specializing in housing, people that specialize in education, people that specialize in mental health uh, rehabilitation, that kind of thing. So we're an ancillary program, if you will. Okay. Now, do you also work with community leaders, not so much the shelters and the organizations that are already helping them, but do you work with city leaders as well or businesses? Do you find that businesses are looking to be a part of it as well? Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the news of uh, the death of former Governor Cuomo in New York. Mm -hmm. He uh, was an ardent supporter of uh, Street Soccer USA and our now parent organization, Help USA. Um, so yeah, politicians have been huge in New York, uh, San Francisco, same thing. We couldn't have done what we do now. We couldn't be building fields in urban centers. We couldn't be um, bringing street soccer to the, into the communities without the help of local politicians. Um, and the, the parks and recs departments throughout yeah. all of those cities have, have helped to some extent. Absolutely. They're, they're tremendously important partners in this. So. What, what is the biggest challenge that an organization like Street Soccer USA faces, whether it's on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, or maybe how can, if people are interested in helping and getting involved, how mm -hmm. can they do that? Uh, so there's a number of different ways. We are always looking for volunteers. Uh, volunteers can come from any walk of life, right? You don't have to know how to play soccer. I just admitted. I am not the expert <laughs> player. I leave that to my co-founder, John Salvucci. <laughs> um, I leave that to NSEAA certified coaches. Um, be a mentor in another way. Uh, be a friend. You can come to our practices. We, we generally practice two to three times a week. Um, it depends on what city you're in. Um, we're always looking for dona donations from our friends too. Uh, if you want to, to you know, become a, a board member for one of the cities, we're open to that. Uh, that's, all the information is on uh, www.streetsoccerusa.org. Um, and last but not least, those amazing national tournaments that we have. I mm -hmm. don't know if you've seen us playing in Times Square um, or in San Francisco at the, in front of the Civic Center. But having the opportunity to play your favorite game, <laughs> my favorite game, uh, in those amazing venues is not something that we alone do. Everyone's open to join in our Open Cups. And Open Cups 
and all of our um, uh, other uh, leagues. We have a few leagues in New York. Okay. We have a league in San Francisco. We have a league. So we okay. call. I, I play for San Francisco. I play for New York. Those are leagues that you can join. All of those things support our outreach programming. So yeah, there's tons of ways to be involved with with all of the different organizations that you've been involved with, your own company as well, mm -hmm. giving back, what has it taught you about yourself, if anything? Um, that's a hard one. <laughs> a lot. Mostly that through all of the, basically what I do is I share people's stories mm -hmm. and I help them, I, I help empower them, I hope, to share their own stories. Um, that's the purpose of what I do. Um, I, I'm not here to share my own inspiring story because I don't find it inspirational, really. I draw yes, inspiration yes. and <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I draw all of that strength from every single person I have represented, uh, from Huli, like I told you, from, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about Lisa Reitzman. She is a player at Street Soccer USA, was a player at Street Soccer USA, excuse me. In 2009, I met her in Rio de Janeiro on Cohoque Cabana Beach. Um, she mm -hmm. was at the Homeless World Cup representing the USA, and that was actually before I started working with Street Soccer USA. I, I met her. I was still working with the Homeless World Cup. I interviewed her, heard about her story. She was a college-level player, um, fell into drugs, alcohol, you know, life went downhill, and she heard about Street Soccer Sacramento, uh, which was back then co-ed. She joined. Mm -hmm. she, she's an amazing player. She already had the skills. So she was a natural out there. Uh, I interviewed her, and she had so much energy. Her goal was not just to play and lift herself up. She decided to start a women's program for Street Soccer USA, which is what she did. She began the Women's League for Street mm -hmm. Soccer USA. It started in Sacramento, and they're called the, the Lady Salamanders. Um, <laughs> people like her, she is now, you know, she's, she's at this level. Below mm -hmm. her is like the level of women that she's inspired. And below them are the children of those women that, yeah. that have been inspired by Lisa's work. So there's, there's like generations of change. And that's the kind of thing that I think, like, that's, for me, that's where I draw my strength, like seeing that kind of impact that others have made. It's, it's so. always nice to see the effect that the seeds that you have sown come to come to life, come to fruition, not just in the direct people you come into contact, but in the next generation as well. Well, why don't you let everybody know where um, they can connect up with you and street soccer and anybody else that you, anybody else that you work with? Because I'm serious, oh. ladies and gentlemen, she she is all over the place or has been all over the place, so very well connected in giving back, in organizations that are giving back. But let everybody know how they can connect up with you, Shandrima. Absolutely. Uh, Twitter, as you know, Sunny, is best for me. I am a social media person at heart. Um, so Shandrima tweets. That's, uh, it's, you know, you can, I bet you you can Google Shandrima Chatterjee and the word soccer maybe, and you'll see a whole list of stuff. Uh, but yeah, my company is called Empowered Media. Uh, we're just, we're launching, relaunching, excuse me, in March. And like I said, streetsoccerusa.org. It's very easy to remember. I hope you all look it up because there's so many ways you can be involved. If you love soccer, if you don't love soccer, if you love team sports, if you just love being around people that are positive, that's, that's really a great group to be involved with. So, 
Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you. I am so honored that you came on the show. And again, I believe in what you are doing. I believe in the organizations that you are working with because it is about making a difference in others' lives. That's what we're here on this earth for. Is to, it's not just about us. It's about being there for others and making a difference and making an impact, a positive impact in whatever way we can. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sonny. I appreciate it. And tune in next week when I will be joined by Brian Costello, uh, Director of Digital Media for the Portland Timbers. Brian will be appearing as part of my media partnership with Q1 Productions. Q1 is hosting the Digital the Sports Fan Engagement Forum next month, March 2nd and 3rd in Kansas City, Missouri. I will be there. I hope you will be too. If not, then connect up with me on Twitter and Instagram at Kadchika, right here on Google+, Plus plus Sunny Cadwallader, uh, just like I... As I say it, is that's how you spell it. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it, that's where I'm at. Tune in next week at probably about the same time, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you then. As a Seattle Sounders fan, the Portland Timbers are the enemy. They are a bitter arch rival. But it's hard not to respect what they have done in the social and digital space. They understand their fan base and the passion they have for their beloved team. Their digital media director, Brian Costello, joined me on the February 17th show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Tuesday 10 with Cad Chica Sports. I am your host, Sunny Cadwallader, better known as Cad Chica in the social media space. Tuesday 10 is a conversation. It could be 10 questions, 10 tips, or in the case of tonight, we're going to keep it, try and keep it to 10 minutes. But it's a conversation with leaders and up-and-comers in the world of sports for media broadcasting, business marketing, social media, and more. And tonight is the third installment. It's the third installment in a series as part of my media partnership with Q1 Productions. Q1 is hosting the Digital Sports Fan Engagement Forum. It's the second annual forum in Kansas City, Missouri, March 2nd and 3rd. It's bringing together some of the leaders and innovators that are really making a connection with the fans in the digital and social media space. And tonight my guest comes to us from the world of Major League Soccer. And he was gracious enough to say yes and continue to do, say yes even after he found out I was a Seattle Sounders fan. Please welcome in my guest from the Portland Timbers, Brian Costello. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Um, let's get this started. Why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I am the director of digital media for the Portland Timbers, uh, as well as the National Women's Soccer League, Portland Thorns FC. And uh, we also just launched uh, Portland Timbers 2, T2 in the USL. So I, I have my hands full handling digital content um, and narratives and social and a number of different uh, elements for three teams, basically. Oh, yeah. I was looking at your bio. Yeah, and I wasn't stalking you. I was just looking <laughs> at your bio and your LinkedIn account. And you are a double major in theater and history, as well as a minor in Eastern Asia studies. Oh, my goodness, Brian. How, how did you get from the theater and history and Eastern Asia all the way over to sports. Tell, I, tell me tell me that journey. Yeah, it's it's probably not the most direct journey into sports business um, or digital necessarily. 
but I think the through line for me, uh, starting in college, um, going even really all the way back to high school, was a love of narrative. Um, mm -hmm. And with theater, it was all invented narratives versus right. history, which was actually real uh, narratives. So um, it gave me different perspectives and different ability to to combine them in different ways. And then as I and East Asian studies was I, that was just a, another element of of mainly my focus in history, but other elements too, and learning another language and how to communicate right. in another language because um, I studied Chinese. Um, so I think you know as I as I progressed from college, you know I worked um, I worked in advertising for a number of years um, uh, here in Portland and worked on with like clients like Nike and, and Microsoft, and then I worked uh, I moved to New York and worked um, in independent filmmaking for a couple of years. I came back here. I was working for public broadcasting, producing documentaries. I kind of went back to my theater roots in some ways and worked at the Portland Institute for Contemporary Art and um, handled communications and public relations for them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I, I was always a soccer fan. I was always a sports fan. I grew up in Minneapolis as a Twins fan, North Stars initially, and then Wild, Minnesota Vikings. Um, uh, soccer was not as big in Minnesota, but I grew up playing right. soccer all through high school. And then right. um, when I came out to Portland, I, as I said, I got into college, went to New York, came back here, um, and I started. I started going to the games in um, I guess it was 2000. It was before MLS, so 2007, 2008, and I started kind of attending games. And uh, the World Cup was coming in there, and I started writing about the team for a local publication. And um, the position opened up with the Timbers, and I was doing a story on the Timbers, and one thing led to another. Ghana got connected with the groups at the Timbers, and they were looking for digital media, and they wanted somebody that ultimately, what I when I sort of interviewed and, and, and went mm -hmm. forward in the process, I said, you know, this is an opportunity to tell the story of the team um, through all sorts of different digital tools and methods, whether it's video, whether it's written, whether it's social, um, and, right. you know, th that, the other thing was, is, I mean, there's tools that I use now that didn't even exist five yeah. years ago when I started, so... Um, but I think, you know, the path that's always driven me in all the stuff I've done is really stories, storytelling and narrative. Yes. Um, you said that you grew up, at, you know, involved in soccer and writing for, uh, writing about the Timbers. The Timbers fan base is pretty passionate. I know this as a Seattle Sounders fan that we, I mean, all of all of the Cascadia Cup teams, whether it's Vancouver Whitecaps, Seattle Sounders, Portland, there's just a different kind of passion. Now, does that type of passion pose a challenge for you and your team, and as to to meet that level of passion in in the content that you provide, whether it's through the social or the digital space? Completely. I mean. Uh, I, I liken it to feeding the beast, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. um, but it, but with that, you, we have to also remember that there's different levels of fandom, even here, uh, while there is an unbelievable fan base here and incredible sellouts, there's still always the push to broaden that fan base, and there's different levels of, of knowledge and involvement around mm -hmm. the club. I mean, you have your hardcore right. Timbers Army people that have been following the team for years, and, and some of those even go back to the 70s with the NESL Timbers. And then, you, and then there's still people here where soccer is a new thing and, and, yeah. and, and has been a new thing since they came into MLS. So I think, and the, the, the great thing about what we can do with digital 
um, and social is that we can involve and, and, and engage with a number of different kinds of fans, a um, number of different locations, honestly, um, and present content that hits at different spots between, you know, really deep kind of um, more tactical discussions um, and interviews to, you know, feature pieces that are sort of like getting to know guys. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes the same fan wants to see both. Um, but people, we, we try to build content that, that's, that I think the biggest keyword that we keep coming back to, um, both in, in the digital team that I work with, but also as a club, is authenticity. Yep. You know, is, it, is it real? Is it authentic? Does it, does it speak to people in a way that, that they'll relate to and want to and wanna learn about? And, and, and is it an accurate portrayal of what we want to show as a club? Right. Let me give a quick shout out to one of our viewers, Hamia Voss. Thank you for tuning in to Tuesday 10 with Cad Chica Sports and my guest, Brian Costello. Uh, yes, I got it right again. Thank you. Um, some of what you were just talking about, I'm guessing, is going to be part of the Q1 sports panel that you will be talking on. Is that correct? Yeah, very much so. I think um, a lot of the panel um, is about engaging, creating engaging content. Um, and I think what we, because there's, as I said at the beginning, you know, there's the Timbers, there's also the Thorns, there's right. T2, um, and especially with the Thorns, you know, there's, there's, while there's crossover with fans, we also discovered as we sort of started learning about it and going through the process um, that there's a different way to connect with the Thorns fans than there yep. is with the Timbers fans. That Some Timbers fans don't go to Timbers games. Some Timbers fans don't go to Thorns games. Right. Um, and that's okay. Uh, so I think finding, as I say, that authenticity for both uh, teams. Um, there's certainly tools that we use out of the same toolbox that can work for both. Um, but we also want to keep stuff unique. And I think um, that panel, a lot of that panel, and, and I know some of the other people on the panel, um, TJ Ansley used to work at the Columbus Crew in a digital role, so I knew him from there. And now, obviously, he's here in Portland working with right. the Trailblazers. So it, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, and with Russell, too, coming from a, a collegiate perspective, you know, he's going to handle a number of teams. So, like, how do you engage different audiences, different levels of knowledge, um, and do so in an authentic and um, engaging way? Right. Now, um, what drew you... I mean, because we were talking before the show that you, you hadn't been to the conference last year, the the, the inaugural Digital Sports Fan Engagement right. Conference. Um, what drew, did you hear about it through the grapevine, through some of your social media connections, your sports connections? What drew you to being a part of it this year? Um, well, honestly, they, they had reached out to me. Um, I think they've got my name through a, a connection through perhaps MLS. Um, but what I thought was interesting, so as I, I started reading about it and looking at last year's, I was like, wow, there's, there's some really interesting people and um, really interesting perspectives from a lot of different sports and sports organizations. Um, I reached out to some other people that I did know as I looked at who spoke and presented at previously who had attended last year and say, hey, what, what can you tell me about this? What's it, what's it all about? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is, this is really cool. It's a really good um, gathering of people and, and a really good sharing of ideas and knowledge. And I think what was interesting to me was um, while I'm, uh, while I deal in soccer all the time, um, yeah. and, and I, this is also sometimes a professional challenge, I get so in, engaged in soccer that I don't necessarily get to, to, to follow as many of the other sports that I, I, I still like in terms of baseball and hockey and, and mm-hmm. football. And, 
And but it's always good to hear those perspectives because they they're often dealing with things um, similar and coming up right. with different ideas. Um, they're obviously sometimes dealing with totally different things um, or things I haven't even thought of. So I think that's what was interesting to me uh, as I looked at sort of how the conference was laid out, who was going to be presenting, the kinds of panels and discussions and workshops that they were going to be um, having that looked really interesting and, and something that I could definitely learn and grow from. Well, you and me both, Brian, and even though we might have a little tete-a-tete about our the Sounders and Timbers games coming up this year, we might. We'll, we'll keep yeah. it civil. Oh, yeah. We might. I might have to do like a Twitter video with you. Uh, get our predict. Get some predictions <laughs> for this season. Well, when when we meet down there, and we'll do some Twitter video, and I'll do some interviews with you down at the forum. But thank you for joining me tonight. Why don't you let everybody know where they can connect up with you as well as the Portland Timbers, Portland Thorns. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at ba costello, and also on Instagram. Um, but I think a lot of the content that I put out is, and help put out and help lead is all on Timbers.com as well as PortlandThornsFC.com and then we also now have uh, Timbers2.com. Uh, that's also there's their Twitter handles at TimbersFC, at ThornsFC, at TimbersFC2. They're all on Facebook as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the best way to start following us. Well, thanks for joining me, and like I said, even though I was a Sounders fan, you, you graciously continued to do the show, so thank we'll, you. We'll work through that. We'll work through the rivalry. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for joining me tonight. Join me next week when I will have the fourth and final installment of my series with um, Q1 Productions. I will be joined by Rocky Harris, the Associate Athletic Director at my old stomping grounds, uh, Arizona State University and home of the Sun Devils. You can connect up with me right here on Google Plus plus Sunny Cadwallader on on Twitter and Instagram at CadChica and always find me writing either about sports or sports and social media at, at my website, CadChicaSports.com. Next week's show will be at a special time, 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. 10.30 a.m. Arizona time, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll talk to you then. Growing up in Arizona, I had the pleasure of going to Arizona State football games. Having a dad that worked at the university allowed for our family to have season tickets, which, upon last check, we still have. So when I was given the opportunity to interview someone that worked there, well, I jumped at it. Rocky Harris is the Chief of Staff with ASU Sun Devil Athletics. Harris and I discussed in-game connection with fans on the February 27th show, and with good reason. Listen for the phrase, curtain of distraction, and you'll see what I mean. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday 10 with Cad Chica Sports. I am your host, Sunny Cadwallader, better known in the social media world as Cad Chica. And yes, we are appearing here on a Friday morning, even though the show is called Tuesday 10. It's a special edition. It is Tuesday 10 is a conversation. It could be 10 questions, 10 tips, or in the case of today, just 10 minutes. But it's a conversation with leaders and up-and-comers in the world of sports, from media broadcasting, business marketing, social media, and more. Now, I said special edition because it really is. Number one, we are appearing on a Friday, but it's a special edition because it marks the final installment in a series I've been doing with 
my media partnership with Q1 Productions. Q1 is hosting the second annual Sports Fan Engagement Forum in Kansas City, Missouri. I will be there next week live tweeting and maybe even live interviewing with Twitter video and hopefully Wi-Fi willing broadcasting live from the forum. And one of my guests is joining me today. His name is Rocky Harris. He is from Arizona State. He will be speaking there, so please welcome in Rocky Harris. Hey, Rocky. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me today. Why don't you introduce yourself with just a quick little bio? Yeah, Rocky Harris, uh, Chief of Staff here at Arizona State University. I uh, actually grew up in Tempe uh, and then went and worked in pro sports in the NFL uh, for about seven or eight years. Then I worked in corporate America and then in Major League Soccer before coming to my back to my alma mater at, at ASU three years ago. Now, from talking with you earlier this week, you grew up in Tempe. Um, you went to school there. I am not going to mention the fact that my school happens to be the one of the many rivals, or at least they used to be in a nearby city, go Dobson Mustangs. You went to Tempe High School. Now, did growing up there help you or hinder you when you actually came back to ASU to work? Or what what did what did growing up there help you with help or hinder you in this job? Yeah, I think it really helped me because what it did is it allowed me to know the market really well, to have a good feel for that. And normally when you enter a new market, it takes you three to six months, maybe even nine months to figure out the market to understand it. So I came right in with an immediate understanding. So it really fast tracked uh, my ability to help get things done. And so, you know, overall, and, and, and also just knowing some of the key people in town from, from growing up here, and the mayor of Tempe uh, went to our, uh, another high school that I, I used to compete against quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> lots of people in town. It's a, even though it's the fifth largest city, uh, it, there's a lot of close-knit ties and a lot of the same people that interact with each other. So I think it really helped me a lot. Now, you, from looking at your bio, you've worked in the MLS with the Houston Dynamo. You've worked in the... Within the NF, with the NFL, especially um, part as part of su several Super Bowl committees, what did that, any of those roles or all of those roles, teach you about fans and actually how they engage or how to interact and connect with fans? Yeah, so the NFL, I think, does the best job overall. When I was at the 49ers and the Texans, we spent most of our time focused on the fan experience because we were pretty lucky where most of our games were sold out or all of them were. We had waiting lists for season ticket holders. So what happens when you're done filling the stadium is you have to focus all of your marketing attention, all your promotional attention, all your engagement around improving the fan experience, not only on game day but every day. And so in the NFL, I learned a lot about how to maximize fan potential, how to uh, maximize ROI, how to create customer lifetime value through engagement. Uh, when I went to Major League Soccer, it was almost the opposite, where we were focused on driving fans into the stadium. Mm -hmm. So we really had to differentiate ourselves uh, within the market to get people out there. And what, what I found uh, through working in Major League Soccer is that the supporter groups in Major League Soccer yeah. uh, really drive everything. And if you allow them to dictate and engage and be a part of the process, not uh, just show up on game day, but feel like they're engaged in every step of the way, uh, they drive attendance for you, they drive the atmosphere. They're a lot like students in college athletics where you have to listen to them, you have to allow them to have a voice, yeah. and when they say something that makes sense, you let them go and you let them do it because they know the audience even better than we do, even though better than we think we do. 
Speaking of student groups, there is something this I wish this was I wish this was around when I was down in Mesa. I probably would have gone to ASU basketball games more, but there's something called the Curtain of Distraction at Arizona State Sun Devils uh, basketball games. Can you tell me how this came about? Tell me a little bit more about the student involvement, the school involvement, what it is. Tell me about this. Yeah, so we have a student group called 942 Crew, and they come up with all these wacky ideas um, to try to have fun at games, which is exactly what we want our students to do. We don't want them to go there just for the product on the court. We want them to go there and have fun for many other reasons. So they come to us with lots of ideas. And this one, when they came to us, we knew it was gold right away. Uh, you know, it basically they set up two curtains uh, in the second half where the opposing team is shooting free throws into them, and they do all types of crazy things like, you know, dress up as Richard Simmons and dance to, uh, you know, look, uh, dressing up in unicorn. Yeah, I mean, everything. Uh, and it works, too. It actually, there's been an impact not only on the experience on game day for all of our other fans, because we have a lot of fans now who stay in this late in the second half that wouldn't have before, which helps our per caps, our revenue, um, and also enhances their experience because even if you walk away and we don't win, we feel like that gives our fans one more reason to come back. And so, again, that was led by the students. They came to us with the idea. They're the ones who manage it and run it. Now, we have somebody who watches over to make sure they don't go overboard. <laughs> um, but we allow them some freedom there to, to go with it. And now students are lining up to be a part of it. And uh, what we're seeing, again, is that it's made national and international headlines, New York Times, ESPN, you know, Sports Center, Sports Illustrated. Um, everyone's covering it because it's unique. It's different. And that's what we always try to do as marketers is find things that are unique and different. And the best way to do that is allow your fans, in our case, our students, to tell us what, what, what that differentiation should be. So I'm guessing you'll never be actually be one of the people doing the curtain of distraction then. I would actually do it because I'm crazy enough to, but I don't know that my boss would like that or our president of our university, but watch out. Maybe next season I'll be out there. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Todd, you should get Todd, football coach Todd Graham out there. See, see what he can come up with. Yeah, we had actually Mike Berkovici and DJ Foster and a few other players. Uh, they participated in the Curtain of Distraction a few weeks ago. Uh, and I think that's probably about as far as it'll go. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. Now, getting back to, uh, we are actually going to meet next week. Like I said, I'm going to try and broadcast live and do some Twitter interviews and um, from, the, from Kansas City at the Q1 Forum. How did you hear about this forum and what drew you to it? Well, you know, I got a call to participate in the forum, so I went and did a little research on it. And what really interested me is that they, they seem to be taking a different approach than all. I, I go to probably 10 conferences a year. Um, they're really focused on technology, the fan experience overall, and I thought I could really learn something from the other people um, that are presenting there. So, you know, when, when I heard about it, I did my, my due diligence and research on it, and it, it, even though it's only in its second year, it seems like something that in the future will be one of the bigger conferences in the country. Uh, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, I look forward to hearing from you. There, there's so many great things going on that it's like you have to pick and choose which ones. But I'm looking forward to meeting you. Um, why don't we? Why don't you let everybody know how they can connect with you and or ASU Sun Devils? Yeah, for me, it's uh, my Twitter handle is Sun Devil Rocky. 
So just uh, reach out to me that way, or my email address is rocky.harris at asu.edu. You can email me anytime, ask me any questions. I'm always willing to help, especially younger people in the industry who need some advice along the way. I was there. I know how hard it is, and it took people telling me how to get to the next step in order for me to get there, so I'm always willing to help. And we do have my friend Heather Crafter. She is from Arizona, and she's saying go Sun Devils. So thanks, thanks Heather, for, t for joining Thank the you, show. Heather. Yes, um, and I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking forward to meeting you, and I hope to hear about more about what the Sun Devils are doing. Now, let me let me ask you what this is. Am I doing this right? Uh, yeah, you're, you're doing that right. All right. I, they, didn't yeah, have this, they didn't have this when I was down there. What, what, yeah, when did that was, start? It was created by a fan. Uh, it's fans one time threw up the pitchfork, and then everybody started following suit. Uh, so now everybody does it in our market, and, and, and we love it. It represents Sun Devils. When you see Sun Devils, you throw up the pitchfork, and everybody knows it. I know. From, from Whether it's Sparky or the pitchfork, it's like, go Sun Devils. But anyways, thanks for joining me, Rocky. I'm, I look forward to meeting you next week. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And like I said, I am hoping to broadcast live from the Q1 Sports Fan Engagement Forum. I will be there Monday and Tuesday. Be sure to connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat, too. I'm going to be sharing a lot of content and, um, at Cad Chica. And hopefully, now that I have Twitter video on my phone and iPad, I'm going to hopefully do some 30-second quick soundbite interviews and stay in touch with the hashtag Q1SFE15. Also, be sure to check out my website, cadchicasports.com, for observations and musings from around the world of sports and sports social media. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Well, another great month in the books for Tuesday 10 with Kajika Sports. My thanks to Lauren, Chandrima, Brian, and Rocky for joining the show. And I'd love to hear from you about the show. Connect with me on Twitter at Kajika, that's C-A-D-C-H-I-C-A, or scoot on over to my website, kajikasports.com, and read the latest on my musings and observations from around the world of sports and or social media. Thanks, everyone, for listening.